Well, to all our guests out there, hey, thanks for being with us. My name's David, and I'm the pastor, and we're glad you're here. And today we do begin kind of a new life, a new chapter, a new journey in our church. And we do call that journey impact. Uh, You're sitting in a facility that's been here since January of 2018, but uh, First Baptist Church has been around for over 100 years. And about six years ago, uh, or a little bit more than that, they, they bought this piece of property right now. And about six years ago, they called me. And they called me to become their pastor to do one very, really simple thing, I think. And that is to get them from their old location to here. And then to help kind of move forward. And uh, about five and a half years ago, we began something called REACH. And REACH was really a campaign, but it was a vision. The vision to see how, how we could reach people. And uh, we're here you know, three and a half years after we kind of came out to this place, and we've reached a lot of people. In fact, over half the people that come, well over half the people that come to our church now were not a part of it uh, six years ago. They weren't even a part of it three and a half years ago. And uh, we always knew that when we came out here, eventually it wouldn't be enough. We went from a 55,000 square foot facility to 119,000 square feet. And we knew that eventually, if we reached people, there would come a time that we would have to do something uh, to create more space. And so where we were five and a half years ago is kind of where we're at now. I mean, five and a half years ago, honestly, a lot of you wouldn't have come to our church. In fact, I didn't get that because if I had moved here six years ago and I wasn't the pastor of First Baptist Church, I'd have visited once, maybe twice. I wouldn't have come back. I wouldn't. In fact, there's not a church in Las Cruces where I would have gone. That mean I would have gone. We'd end up going to El Paso to go to church. And now we have people from El Paso come here to go to church. People from Deming and Hatch and Amagordo. People come here. And we're at a point where we don't have any more places left to put them. We got four services. And in about a month, this one's going to be full. When September hits, the empty chairs will pretty much be gone. You know, same thing at about 11 o'clock. In fact, we want to encourage some of you to try our 12:15 service. So we, we have a little room there for you if you want to come. I mean, that's a great place to be. This was a tremendous journey we're on, and we want to continue this journey. We're going to continue to reach people. Reaching people is our mission. But we've got to begin our journey kind of in a different direction. We need to begin also impacting people, because here's what we know. We're not going to reach everyone. We're not foolish enough to think we can reach everybody. There are no people that we may never reach or may be a long time in reaching. But if we can't reach them, can we at least impact their life? If I can't reach them for Jesus, can I at least impact them in some way? So maybe sometime in the future, we can reach them. And so we're going to begin a journey called impact. And every journey has to begin with a vision. You've got to have a vision to see where you're going. A couple weeks ago, Debbie and I went home to San Antonio, Texas. Great thing about when you drive way far down that way is once you clear El Paso, you can drop that bad boy into cruise control. The state of Texas allows you a certain percentage of the speed limit you may exceed. I know that because having exceeded that speed limit, I saw what the ticket said I could do. So now I know what I can do. And here's the thing, you can see from miles down the road. And when I'm looking miles down the road, my, my vehicle never wavers. That means that your car doesn't waver. But all I, I can look for a second just off to my right. I don't know why I would look off to the right. There's nothing there that I can't see in front of me. But I can look off to my right, and immediately my car veers. Because the car is going to go wherever I'm looking. It's going to follow the vision. You see, here's the thing about vision. Vision is to see where you need or want to go. It defines your future. Vision always defines your future. 
I can buy the nicest car around, and I can buy me a brand new Cadillac or get me a Lexus or Mercedes. I won't because it's a pastor. That would be stupid. But I could do that. (laughs) Maybe buy me a Maserati, whatever that is. I heard it's a really nice, fancy car. And I can have that nice, fancy car. I can be in it and have my beautiful wife next to me. And I can then punch that accelerator. And if I'm looking down, I'm going to wreck that thing quickly. No matter how nice it is. If I don't have a vision, I can't drive that thing. You know what happens for a lot of churches? Church, a lot of churches are really nice. I don't talk about just the outside. I mean, man, the people are friendly. They love Jesus. Oh, yeah. They pray. They have great doctrine. Man, they do all those things well, but they struggle. They struggle because they don't have vision. And there are thousands of churches, thousands of Baptist churches that are dead or dying. They're plateaued or on the decline. Not because they don't love Jesus, not because they don't pray, not because they don't have facilities, because they have no vision. you got to have vision. So before we can impact, it begins with vision. And today we're going to talk about vision. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 32. And here's what I want you to see. Here's a question that I really want to ask. It's a question that I find myself asking my, me quite often in the privacy of whatever I'm thinking or doing, it's this. One impact can FPC, can First Baptist Church make in the lives of people, even if they don't follow Jesus? I mean, think about it. I want to reach people for Jesus, but what if I can't reach them? Then what impact can I make in their life? Even if they don't follow Jesus, I still want to impact their life some way. How can I do that? And it always begins with vision. In Luke, in the first two chapters, we have the story of the birth of Jesus. In the second chapter, after the first chapter lays out a lot of groundwork for us and kind of tells us, you know, and shares with us, you know, the, the nature of the virgin birth, Jesus fully God, fully man. In chapter two, he's born. And when he's born, you know, the only people that come are the shepherds. Man, there's, there's no dignitaries showing up for the birth of the Messiah. There's no fancy people showing up, just poor, lowly shepherds. And then we kind of end the Christmas story with the shepherds, and I get that, that's what I do, because, you know, after the shepherd story, you know, Christmas, we just, what else, you know, that's it. In Luke, anyways. But there's more to it. Because Jesus was Jewish, and uh, because they were in Bethlehem, when a child, when a boy, well, not a child really, but when a boy is about a week old, eight days old, they had to dedicate the child. And if you were out in the synagogue, out in the, out in the surrounding areas, not in Jerusalem, you would go to your synagogue. But if you were close to Jerusalem, you'd go to the temple. And so Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, and they're going to come to the temple to dedicate Jesus. And that's where we pick up in verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon's a common name, but we really don't encounter him except in these verses. Simeon, we know four things about him. First two was that he was righteous and devout. To be righteous meant he was in right standing with God. He had a relationship with God, and it carries with it moral connotations. He lived that way. The Jewish religion had become a religion of works where you were righteous by the things that you did. That's what the Pharisees taught. You were self-righteous. But here we understand that his righteousness would be based on his relationship with God. We see that because it says he has the Holy Spirit upon him. So he was righteous, devout. Devout means God-fearing. It means he loved the Lord. The Holy Spirit was upon him. When you come to the New Testament and the Holy Spirit is upon someone, they, they are a believer. Now, I realize he wasn't yet a believer in Jesus because Jesus was just born. But he had this unbelievable relationship with God, fueled by the Holy Spirit of God. He was living and serving the way God wanted him to. And it says he was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. The word consolation means encouragement or hope. He was looking forward to the hope of Israel. He wanted the Messiah to come. Because he knew Israel was in trouble. 
And he wasn't looking for a material or a, a, a warrior kind of a soldier Messiah like the rest of the Jews. He knew that they needed someone to deliver them spiritually. Verse 26 says to him, says this, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit again working in his life. He wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, we normally take Simeon to be an old guy because it says he wouldn't see death. It doesn't mean he was old. He could have been young. He could have been 60. He could have been young, you know. <laughs> it's not old at all. 65 is not old. Anybody here 65? You guys are young. 70 looks pretty good on some of y'all. I'm telling you right now, man. It's looking better every day. And so he wouldn't see death. The Holy Spirit was working in his life until he see the Lord's Christ. That means the Messiah. So we have, we have already the Holy Spirit's working in his life. The Holy Spirit's revealing truth to him. He has this connection with God. And we see his longing for the Messiah, the Holy One of God. Verse 27 tells us, that he came in the spirit to the temple. The spirit led him to the temple at just the time that the parents brought the child Jesus. So he came to the temple when the parents brought Jesus, and they brought him to carry out the custom of the law. And verse 28 tells us this, and then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, can you imagine you're bringing your one-week-old baby to church? We have a lot of babies come to our church. We have them in here. We have them in the, over in the Wombaland. We have them coming at 11, probably at 12, 15. We have some babies I see around. You know, I don't know if you brought your kid when they were a week old or not. Can you imagine walking in with your brand new baby for the first time and some strange guy comes and just takes your baby from you? I don't care what he says. I don't care if he says, hey, the Holy Spirit's leading me to do this. You're, you're going to be a little apprehensive. But uh, he t- I don't know what he did with the baby. Maybe he did the whole Lion King thing. I don't know, maybe Rafiki holding the baby up in the temple, like Simba, you know, and everybody bowed. Took the baby, and then he said some things. And what he said is remarkable. In verse 29, he says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. Now, the word Lord is not the normal word for Lord with has the connotations of deity, God. It's the word that means master. It's the word where we get our term despot from master. You're releasing your slave. The word bondservant is slave. Master, I'm your slave. Now you're freeing me. Finally, you're freeing me. I can depart in peace according to your word. You have spoken to me, and now you're fulfilling what you promised me. And he says in verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, this is an odd way of saying this. You would think he'd have said, I see the Messiah. But he says, my eyes. So my eyes have seen your salvation. And so the eyes speak of the physical attributes, the physical component of seeing. But salvation is word word because salvation is not a person. Salvation is a thing. You're saved. It's a condition. It's a resultant state. It means to be rescued. Spiritually, it means to be saved from sin to God. But he looks at Jesus and says, this is salvation. By the way, whatever salvation is, it's always in Jesus. Whatever salvation is, it is always in Jesus. Never forget, there is no salvation that is not connected to Jesus. He says, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the salvation you have. Verse 31 says, which you have prepared in the presence of all the people. God, it's your salvation and you prepared it. You made it happen. It's from you. It's your initiative, your work, your purpose. It is for everyone. See, the Jews thought salvation would be just for them. The Jews actually thought the Messiah would come, fight a battle with the Romans, deliver them militarily and physically, and set up a kingdom that was just for the Jews. And really what we're seeing is just the opposite of that. That whatever that Jesus is going to do is not just for the Jews, it's for all people, even for the Romans. And what it is, isn't something physical. Oh no, 
It's something spiritual. It's something eternal. You have prepared it from the presence for all peoples. In verse 32, he just gets blunt. He says, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Salvation is light to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They really did. They didn't. They not only did they not think Gentiles should be saved, they didn't want them to be saved. Have you ever known someone that you didn't want them to be saved? I hope not. I hope, I don't care how bad they are to you, I hope ultimately you still want them to be saved. Gentiles lived in darkness. Darkness means ignorance, darkness means evil. Jesus was light, and the light would attract them, would bring them to him. Not only that, for the people of Israel, he was the glory. He was the brilliance. That also has the connotation of the holy brilliance of God. The glory always depicts the holiness of God. And so what he's saying here is that both for the Jew and to the Gentile, Jesus is bringing salvation. It is light. It is glory. It is brilliance. He sees this. Now understand, he's not having a vision. He is having vision. He sees this one-week-old baby. This one-week-old baby, he sees what this baby will become and what this baby can do and how this baby can impact lives. See, Simeon saw the result of the impact of Jesus on the world. He saw salvation. He's a baby. We got babies all over the place. Some of them are hiding, I think. Hopefully, I put them to sleep. I'm good at that, I'm told. I've had numerous parents who said, my kids slept through your entire sermon. I'm like, good, all right. My plot worked. <laughs> Can you imagine looking at these babies? And they're cute, and I get it, they're cute. And I don't buy the whole thing, they're cute the moment they're born. My wife, look at this brand new baby. Isn't this baby cute? No, they're not. They just got born. They all look the same to me. I can't help it. I'm sure your church child was different. Can you see salvation for the world and your child is sinning and dead? Not only that, Simeon saw the source of the impact. He saw God. The source of the impact of salvation would be God. This salvation came from God. So let me put it to you this way. When he's defining what Simeon was experiencing, what he was saying, this vision, not a vision like he was dreaming, but his ability to look and see the direction. Simeon had a vision for mankind that was initiated by the Lord, led by the Spirit, and focused on the Savior. He could see what Jesus was to do, at the impact he would make. It was initiated by God, led by the Spirit, but it focused on the Savior. Whatever we think about our church, however we want to reach people, however we want to touch lives, it should always be initiated by God, led by the Spirit, and always focused on the Savior, so that we might reach people for salvation. When you are a guest at our church, we always want you to feel connected to what we're doing. Every worship service, we want you to feel a part of things. We don't ever want you to feel like an outsider. But here's the reality. We, we sit here today because five and a half years ago, we went through a process. And we got to go through that process again. And so as a guest, at this point, you may feel just a little disconnected. And you may feel, if you keep coming for a few weeks, a little disconnect off and on. Don't give up. Just keep hanging in there. In fact, if you'll just come over a period of time and we'll eventually get past the nine-week campaign we're about to go through and, and life will get back to normal, whatever that is. But we're, part of impact is the realization we've got to build again. And it's, if we're going to look into the future and reach people. Now, if we're happy with what we got, then we're good to go. But I don't think we're happy with what we got. 
See, see, here's the thing. We got one-third of the space we had five and a half years ago, and every Sunday, like, when September comes, we'll have over twice the people we'll have. And actually, total number of people coming is way more than twice because the average person a day doesn't come near as much as they used to. I mean, we, we just, we've got to have more space. And so what we're going to do is talk for a few moments about this thing we're going through called Impact. It is, it is a campaign. Now, if you're a guest, we don't ever expect you to give any money. So this is not a message about money. I'm not preaching about money today. Don't worry. A few weeks I will. Worry then. But don't worry today. The wor- Hold your worry off a few weeks. I'll let you know when it's time to worry. I'll give you a heads up. We'll have signs out front. We're preaching about money. Worry, worry, worry. Listen, don't worry today. And as a guest, we don't ever expect you to give to us or participate in a building campaign. Listen, if Debbie and I, my wife over here, if we have guests come to our house, now we don't encourage that, but if we do, and they're going to spend the night, you know, eat. we don't charge, you know, they don't get up the next day and say, here's a bill for $125, it's room, and uh, you get a complimentary continental buffet to go with that. Uh, Debbie hates when I say buffet, so buffet. B-U-F-F-E-T, you get a buffet. I just say it's buffet because I'm from Texas and it's easier than do it that way. We don't do that, but here's the thing. If you plan on staying with us for an extended period of time, then we probably expect you to chip in. If you're going to watch my satellite and eat my Blue Bell ice cream, Bubba, that changes things. <laughs> but we never expect a guest to do that. So here's what we want to share with you about impact. And what we're going to do is just give you some key dates. Today is August 1st. And so you look up here, and what you see is there's an information package. You walked in, you saw all those tables with stuff on it, and some of you went over to get something you weren't supposed to yet, but you probably did, and you probably have your packet now. If you do, don't you look at that thing. Don't do that till later. But your information packet, and that information packet is going to have a letter from me. It's going to have a, a devotional guide for praying for later on. It's going to have just information about impact and about our phase two building campaign. Now, if you're, this is your church and you come here a lot and we got information on you, what you do is when you go out of the service, just one member of your family, you don't need the whole family going, go over there, look for the zip code of where your mailing address is, alphabetical by zip code. If that ain't complicated, I don't know what is. Get your packet. If we don't have a packet for you, doesn't, it, it probably means that we got bad information, we couldn't get it together, somehow things got lost, or we just don't like you. I don't know what it means, but it means something like that. All you do is just scoot on over to the far side, and there's, some, uh, there's a table with no zip code stuff on it, and there's some doors going to the patio, and there you go. We'll give you a packet. We'll take, you take the packet, and uh, we'll probably get more accurate information on you. Even if you're a guest, you can go get a packet. You say, David, this is my first time here. Can I get a packet? Yeah, we don't care. We've got over a thousand of them things. We've got like 900 and something families that we've got to take those packets to. We want to give most of them out right now. Now, if you don't get your packet or if you're watching online, here's the thing. You don't get it. We're coming to your house today. We've got some, some about 50-some people coming to visit you. Not all 50 of them, just one of them. <laughs> if 50 come to get you, that might be a little intimidating. <laughs> That's a little, hey, we're strong-arming you. Get your packet. We'll give you a packet or, you know, we're going to get that out to you. And then we just want you to have that packet. And then next Sunday on the 8th, we're having a prayer event. We're having a call to prayer. We did this last time. And last time when we came out, we didn't have a building here. We just had raw land. And so we had places where everything would be. Like there was something out here that said this would be a worship center. And then something down there that said that would be the children's area. And we prayed. But now we're going to come and we're going to gather in here. And we're going to start praying. And then we're going to disperse y'all. And y'all can talk about this building. And you can go outside. See where the new auditorium is going to be. See where the new commons is going to be. Expanded children area. This is going to be converted into youth space. We're going to pray for all that. Then in two weeks on the 15th, going through the 2nd of September, we're going to have vision desserts. We have about 15 vision desserts. I think it's going to get up to 17. Those vision desserts are for 25 to 30 people. 
And uh, myself and Ken Adcock, who's our, our campaign director, we're going to be at those vision desserts. 17 probably chances for me to eat sweets. I'm looking forward to that. I don't turn down much dessert. I can guarantee that. You can look and you can say, I get that, David. You don't. And we're going to explain to you what's going to happen in the new building. We're going to explain to you the campaign. You get to ask questions. Now, many of you, if this is your church home or you go here or connected here, you probably got an invitation this week to a vision dessert. If you didn't get an invitation this week to the vision dessert, it probably means we don't have a packet for you either. But in that invitation, we've got a dessert we want you to attend. If you don't have an invitation to a dessert, we'll get you that also. Go to that same table. They'll sign you up. And we'll get you to a vision dessert. Now, what we want you to do is RSVP and tell us you're coming to that dessert as kind of assigns you to. But if you can't come to that dessert, then there's information that you got in that letter or in that packet. Email the email address we give you or call the office and say, I can't make that dessert. Can you give me another one? And we'll assign you to another dessert because we have 15, probably going to have 17. We have plenty of desserts for you to attend. But you only need to go to one. You don't need to go to all 17 like me. Just go to one. And we'll get you taken care of. And then... On the 29th, in, in about four weeks, we're going to start our family devotional guides. And so for what happens is for 14 days, we want your family to go through that devotional guide we get you, give to you. So you begin spiritually kind of preparing yourself to think about the campaign, to think about if you're going to be a part of the commitment of the building process we're going through. Uh, on the 9th of September, that's the, the family night of that devotional guide, and your family is going to kind of, kind of make a decision about what y'all feel the Lord may or may not lead you to give. And then on the 12th of September, that's Commitment Sunday. We're going to mail you some stuff. You, you, we got your, if we have your info, you're getting mail from me, okay? I'm sending you stuff. Just look forward with great anticipation to the things that I'll be sending you. It'll come on a weekly basis, probably. You're going to get a commitment card. What I want you to do is just run that card, what you're going to give. And then on Commitment Sunday, we'll, we'll put them here in those brown boxes we have. We'll make our, our commitment. And we'll take all those commitments, and I'm not going to look at them. I don't know what you give. Nobody's going to know what you give. They'll enter into a computer, and unless you give a crazy amount, people won't even remember what you give. And you're going to give something crazy like $650,000. Somebody probably remember that because they'll faint, and we'll have to take them out to the, the hospital, get them revived probably. But just put that in there. And if you don't want to put your name on it, that's fine. But still put the card in, even if it's anonymous, because we, that helps us. Because, you know, we're going to build a six to $6.5 million building. And uh, we're not going to collect all of that through a campaign. We're going to have to borrow a little bit. We have some now in the bank, and we're going to sell our church down in Miranda. And when we sell that, which we hope we'll sell pretty soon, I know we've been saying that for a while, but they, just hang on. We're going to get you there. And, but we still have to borrow some money, so those commitments help us with the bank. So just do that. And then on the 29th, excuse me, the 26th, that's Celebration Sunday. And then what we're going to do is this is when we kick off the, the giving part. So I'm going to mention giving briefly. But we'll give our first fruits offering. We'll give the first offering. This is usually the biggest offering that we give towards the campaign. And then after that, we go through 36 months of a building campaign. And if you've committed to it over the 36 months, you can give weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever. Now, let me explain to you how Debbie and I are going to do this. And this is really important. Because we don't want anybody to ever feel pressured to give. So don't feel pressured to give. Some of you aren't in a position to give. I got that. I've been there. I've been in a position where Debbie and I didn't have much. And so I got you. Don't worry. We're not going to think about anything. We're not going to know. We're not going to think less of it. Don't worry about it if you're not in a position. Some of you, you have X amount of money you can give to the church. And you already give it. I got you. So just give that to, the, to what you're doing now. Don't give it to the building campaign. Don't take away from what you give to First Baptist Church to give to a building campaign that's counterproductive. If you can't give to the campaign, it is okay. 
You just may not be able to do that now. That happens. Financially, some of you are in a tough strait right now with jobs and pandemics. So I get that. Don't worry about it. Debbie and I are going to sit down and figure out what we're going to do. Now, Debbie and I, I would never ask you to do something we don't do. We, you know, we tithe to the church. We more than tithe. We give way more than 10%. We do that. We, so we give a lot to the church. What, we, what, from our, what we, God has blessed us. You've blessed me with a great salary. So we give. You know, we give. And then we, uh, we give to other Christian organizations like Compassion and Charity Water. We give to some other things. We give. Evidently, we're concerned about homeless dogs and cats. And we give for those. I don't. But evidently, we do. And so, we're going to look at what we give, and we're not taking away from anything above all of that. We're not even taking, we're not, we're not going to take one cent away from homeless dogs. Above all of that, we'll make a commitment to this campaign. Then on the 26th, we'll give our first, first gift, and then after that, we'll take the remainder, divide it by 36, and give every month. That's what we're going to do. And the reason we're going to do it is because we're committed to this. We, we want people to be reached, and we understand. I know it, it seems odd, but we know that if we're going to reach more people, we've got to impact more lives. We've got to have a large capacity to impact if we're going to reach. And to have the capacity to impact, we can't stay where we are. And part of moving forward is adding on. We're at less than 19,000 square feet of facility and twice the number of people six years ago in a third the space. So we're moving forward. And to do that, we need a vision. See, here's what we need. We need a vision to impact people so we can continue to reach people. And I want you to get that vision. And I, I don't want you to stress over this. I don't want you to think this is a hard hit for money because it's not, I promise. It's just an opportunity for you to share in the vision in this way. You can share in the vision in other ways. And I get that. There's multiple ways to share in a vision. This is one way you can share. Because we want to reach people, we need to impact people. And here's the thing. We do this so we can honor God and get people to Jesus. Everything we do with this church is to honor God and get people to Jesus. Every single thing we do is to honor God and get people to Jesus. And that's what this is. Listen, we're not, we're not doing this because I'm, and I enjoy it. I, I, this is my fifth building campaign in my career. They are not fun. I don't know of any pastor that says, whippy, I get to go through a building campaign where some people are going to criticize us for building buildings and raising money and not doing it the way they want because we didn't do this, that, or the other. This isn't the highlight of my next three years. But impacting people is. And reaching people is the highlight of everything. And I know we have to do this to reach more people because we can't impact more. If we don't do this. So we've got to have a vision. You've got to see the way things are. Vision signals where you're headed. If you don't have no vision, you're headed nowhere. Nowhere. The other day we were watching a, that Disney channel we get. Disney Plus, something like that. And uh, we saw a movie we hadn't seen in decades. I mean decades. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You see that movie? It was a ride at Disneyland. And old Mr. Toad. He's got his little car, and he's going merrily, merrily, merrily on his way to nowhere in particular. There are a lot of churches that are going nowhere in particular. Oh, they love Jesus. Oh, yeah, they do. They pray. Of course they pray. They got pastors far more loving, far more pastoral, far kinder than I am. I guarantee you that. But here's what they don't have. They don't have vision. So they're going nowhere. We need vision to reach people. 
And we need to really be able to go into people's lives and we need to ask them a question that I find myself asking on behalf of you or for you or about you. We need to be able to think this way and ask this question. What can we do for you on your journey of faith, even if you don't have faith? Even if a person doesn't have faith, even if a person doesn't want Jesus, what can we do for them? Because they're still on a journey of faith. They're just going nowhere in particular. Well, actually, they're going somewhere particular. It's just not a good result. We want to reach them. And to reach them, we need to impact them. So I invite you to join us on a journey. A journey to impact. Some of you, for you to join us on that journey, you need your life impacted. You may need to give your life to Jesus. And whether you're watching online or or whether you're here, you may need to trust Christ to be your Savior because you've never done that. So we invite you to give your life to Jesus today to trust him as your savior. Some of you, you may be coming here, but you really aren't feeling a part of being here and you want to be a part of this church. So we invite you to join our church. If you don't want to join our church, at least participate more fully in the life of our church. Let this be your church home. You be a part of our desire and dream and vision to impact. Some of you know people whose lives you need to impact. You've been trying to reach them for Jesus. You haven't been able to reach them for Christ yet, but can you impact their life? Just this morning, I was at the place to get breakfast where I get breakfast almost every day of the week. And I know so many of those people. And I find myself asking, how in the world can I impact them? How can we impact the people? Will you make the commitment to impact? Will you make the commitment to have the vision to impact so that you might reach and do it wherever God leads you and wherever he wants you to go? I don't know what you need to do today, but I invite you to join us on a journey into the future, a journey to impact people's lives. Father, thank you for our salvation and for our Savior, the hope of Israel, the one that Simeon could see as salvation. And thank you that Simeon could see what Christ would do, the impact he would make. Help us, Father, to see that same impact, to look in our city, in our county, in our community, in the know, we can impact them for Jesus. Give us that vision. Give us that heart. Give us that desire to enter that journey, to honor you and bring people to Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand? If you need to come, we'll be here.